Oh, man. You guys, that six months without you in the room was terrible. That, it was hard to make movies. Uh, one day we were pastors, and the next day we were movie producers. And I got to tell you, there was like a steep learning curve to, to all of that. And, uh, but I am incredibly thankful that we were able to pivot and go online when we had to shut down the building. Uh, and I should speak directly to our online viewers. You, you guys need to know that you are just as important as the people in the room today. Um, even more important, let me just say that. You guys are important, and we're glad you're here. Uh, make yourself known, comment, share the stream, send us your messages. Uh, we're all in this together, even though you're there and we're here. So uh, I'm just glad that we can do this all together. When we made the switch to online services only, uh, like I said, there was a steep learning curve. It was uncharted waters for us, and we made a lot of mistakes. That two-minute reel of bloopers could have been like an hour. There were so many mistakes. Um, every time we thought we had figured out how to do it better, something would go wrong. And um, things never seemed to go as we wanted them to with the technology. And that's kind of where we left off in our story about Moses last week. Um, Moses was plugging along. His life was going the way he wanted it to. Things were going well for him. He had, uh, he had a wife and a job and a white picket fence, and he had settled into the routine of his new life, and the mistakes of his past were just a distant memory. Until one day, God showed up and messed things up on him. God showed up to remind Moses of who he was, to remind him of who he was created to be. And Moses was working with sheep, but God had planned for him and intended him to lead people. And so God showed up in his story to remind him that he was made on purpose for a purpose. God was sending Moses to Pharaoh to demand that Pharaoh release and free the Israelite people who he was holding in slavery to let his people go. And Moses was unsure if he could do this huge task. And uh, he didn't know if he could get the job done. But God would remind him that I will be with you. And so Moses went to Pharaoh. And it took some time, uh, some signs and wonders and a few plagues. But eventually Pharaoh would relent. And the people of Israel, the long-suffering Hebrew nation, were given their freedom. And they packed their bags and they set out into the world to carve out their piece of the world. It wasn't long before Pharaoh changed his mind, though. He wanted them back. He, he regretted setting them free, and so he sent his chariots out to chase them down. And this sets the scene of what, what might be just the most incredible miracle in, in the whole Bible. The people of Israel found themselves on the shores of of the Red Sea. And they knew Pharaoh's chariots were coming. They knew they were trapped up against the water and they became afraid and anxious. And they started to question Moses. Maybe we should have stayed as slaves. It would have been better to stay as slaves than to die in the desert under the chariots. Moses knew something had to be done. And he had no options left. And so he stood on the edge of that Red Sea and he raised his arms up into the air. And I guarantee you there were people in that crowd who thought he looked like an idiot, right? Standing on the edge of the Red Sea with his hands in the air. 
But then something happened. And you might know this story. Something, the water began to churn. and The wind began to blow. And then this huge body of water split down the center. And suddenly there's this escape route for the people of Israel to, to, to make their way across. And God showed up and rescued those people. And that day they learned something really important about God. That He was a God who rescues. That He would not forsake them. And it's a lesson that over the next 40 years, these people would have to learn time and time and time again. They would learn it, and then they'd forget it, and they'd have to learn it again, and then they'd forget it again. It was this vicious cycle. They would spend the next 40 years wandering in search of the land that God had promised to Moses, a place where they could call home. Now, Moses would eventually lead them there. It took a long time, but they, they finally got to the edges of this land that was to become theirs. But Moses wouldn't be the one to take them in. He passed that mantle, that, that task on to a young man named Joshua. Actually, probably I think he wasn't that young at that point, but he passed this responsibility on to Joshua. And Joshua had been there all through the wandering. Uh, he had watched God's faithfulness towards the Israelite people, and he had witnessed how quickly that they would forget God's faithfulness. He had learned just how fickle the human heart could be. And now it was his task to finish the job that Moses had started, to bring the people into the promised land. And it was not going to be easy. And the, the only comparison I have for this is what happened when Justice was born. Uh, one day, you know, it's just me and Adrian, and the only thing I have to care about is us. And you know, the hardest decision I have to make is how late I should sleep in till. And then one day I come home from a hospital with a little human who suddenly I am 100% responsible for. You know, one day, almost no responsibilities, and then the next day, overwhelming responsibilities. There was more than a few times in those early days as a father where I had to look in the mirror and like convince myself that I could do it. Um, and so one day, Joshua's an apprentice. And the next day, he's responsible for an entire nation. And, and he needs, our guy here, he needs some encouragement. And so God sends him an angel. And, and this is what God says to Joshua. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, you can do this. You're going to be okay. I made you on purpose for a purpose. God was telling Joshua the exact same thing he told Moses. You can do this because I will be with you. I am with you wherever you go. I will be there. Now, it's a very encouraging to hear thing to hear from God. Um, and it would not be long before Joshua's courage would be tested. Uh, the Israelites had made camp just on the edge of, a, of the Jordan River. It's this, uh, it was this huge river. And they had been wandering in search of God's promised land for years now. And finally, they're almost there. It's just on the other side of this river. They can almost taste all the milk and honey that's over there, but they're not over there. They're over here. They're on this side of the Jordan River. They're camped out. They're in a holding pattern. Everything is over there that they want, but they're over here. And man, I, 
when I think about that feeling of being just outside of where you want to be, I feel this. I know this feeling. Right now, the whole world feels like this to me, that we're camped out on this side of the river, stuck wandering in the wilderness, uh, praying for something better. And I wake up in the middle of the night, and you guys, I, I worry for my family. And, and when I think back on what our little city has been through these last few years, my heart breaks a bit. And, and you know, <laughs> when I accidentally turn on the news, you know, my anxiety level goes through the roof. We are in this weird holding pattern, not, and it, doesn't, it feels like we're on this side of the river. We're on the wrong side of the river. It feels like we've been camping out in a holding pattern for far too long. And while we've waited, that river gets wider and deeper, and it seems more impossible to cross into the hope that's on the other side. And I always like to try to ask questions in moments like these. And so I would ask myself, and I'd have you ask yourself the question, what's, what's your river? What's in your way? What's separating you from the promises of God? You know, it could be a diagnosis. It could be finances. Maybe it's someone who has hurt you that you're struggling to forgive or who hasn't asked for forgiveness. Maybe it's some sort of loss. Maybe it's depression or anxiety. Maybe it's doubt. Whatever it is, it's right here in front of you. It's this raging river that's overflowing its banks and it's keeping you from what God has promised you. So we're going to have some good news for you. You see, God had promised Moses a promised land his, his, for his people, and, and, and he promised that there would be a place for them. And now here Joshua stands on the banks of the Jordan River, and he doesn't know how to get them there. He doesn't know how to get to the promise. And God has promised it to him, but when you read this story, you might discover what God was actually promising. Sure, he told them there was a place a promised destination, a place flowing with milk and honey and 4K TVs. But there was a promise within the promise that is even more important. A promise that's even more important than what's on the other side of the river. A promise that's less about the future and more about the present. It's not a promise about what's over there. It's a promise of what's right here. Let's read it again. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. Joshua, don't be afraid of what you're going to go through because I am with you. Joshua, you can have courage that you will overcome the problems ahead of you because I am with you. Joshua, don't look for hope on the other side of the river because I am with you on this side of the river. I'm right here. And so Joseph ordered the priests to lead his people of Israel across the river. And it didn't matter that the river was overflowing its banks. It didn't matter that this was a dangerous and crazy request. He sent them in to the water. Joshua was old enough to remember that day that God parted the Red Sea, and it gave him courage this day. He knew God would not fail him now because he knew God was with him. 
And he tells us, as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up. Can you imagine being that first person to get their toes wet? Can you imagine the courage it took to step into the water? Can you imagine the feeling of the power and presence of God stopping the flow of that river and making a way for them in the wilderness? That day, the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River into the land that God had promised him. But don't miss this. God didn't show up on the other side of the river. He showed up on this side of the river. This promise is too important for us to miss. The promise is one that we cannot forget. Now, more than ever, it seems, we need to remember this. God has promised to be with us, to walk with us, to carry us through, to lead us in the wilderness, to suffer with us in our hurt, to calm us in our fears, and to give us hope in the valley of the shadow of death. God doesn't promise to meet us at the promised land. He has promised to meet us in the present. I am with you. God needed to remind Joshua of this plenty of times, over and over again, in fact. And over the course of the whole Old Testament, all those stories of all those ancient historical figures, this is a message that God had to continually repeat. There's something about human nature that easily remembers our mistakes and the bad things and can quickly forget the good. Now, I know this happens to me. Uh, it seems often that I, it's a lot easier for me to remember my mistakes or embarrassing moments than it is to remember some of the good ones. Um, I'll tell you a story. I told the, the team this morning before uh, church o- 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 the doors were open uh, of the, one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me. Um, we were responding in an ambulance to a patient who was in serious condition, and we got there and we stabilized our patient and we got him onto the stretcher, and then I bent down to lift up the stretcher to waist height. You know, you, you got to lift with your back, right? I'm going to give you guys an example. Okay? Lift with your legs, not your back. Well, I bent down to lift this stretcher, and suddenly there was like a loud bang. And it wasn't the stretcher. It was my pants. My pants literally exploded. Like I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. They ripped from the button in the front to the belt loops in the back. <laughs> That's not even the worst part about this. Is It gets worse. I had to still treat this patient and get in the back of the ambulance with them and go all the way to the hospital with them. And then it gets even more worse. I had to take that patient from the ambulance and wheel him into the ER And with all the nurses and doctors there, and with me on full display. It was so terrible. I cannot even begin to tell you about how terrible that feeling was for me. And you know, when I look back on that story, I can remember how embarrassed I was. But you know what I don't really remember? I don't remember that I did my job well. Right? I don't remember that I treated the patient 
the right way. I don't remember the, the good things that I did that day. I just remember how embarrassed I was. And too often we're like that. We, we, we forget the good and remember just the bad. And, and this is the story of uh, the recorded history of the people of God all, recorded all throughout the Old Testament. This is the story of time and time again of how God would show up in power and rescue his people and they would worship him and celebrate him and then a few months later they forget about him and then move on. Over and over and over again God reminded his people that he was with them. And once you realize this, you can see this theme weaved through generation after generation. Let's just go through a couple here. It's a promise he first gave to Abraham. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And then it's a promise that he made to Abraham's son, Isaac. Live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you. And then God repeated it to his son, Jacob, when he said, God appeared to Jacob in a dream and told him, what's more? I am with you. It's a promise that he repeated again to Moses that we read about last week. And God said, I will be here with you. You move further in the story. And now with Joshua, he said, no one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live, for I will be with you. And then years later, the guy we're going to talk about next week, David, would get this promise. I took from you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people, uh, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. And then God spoke through the prophet Isaiah when the people needed reminding. He said, don't be afraid, for I am with you. And then after... He was nailed to a tree and after he rose from the dead and after he told us that he made us on purpose for a purpose, Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is a promise that is repeated over and over and over again. Are you seeing this, what I'm seeing? Are you hearing the same things that I'm hearing? God didn't just promise that there's hope on the other side of your river. He didn't promise that he's going to be waiting for you at the finish line. He has promised to be with you on this side of the river. To be with you through your addictions. To be with you through your diagnosis. To be with you through your separation. To be with you through your deepest loss. To be with you in your darkest night. God doesn't meet us at the promised land. His promise is to meet us in the present. I am with you. And it's a promise that he has been promising right from the very beginning. I'm going to invite the band to come up now and as we prepare to take communion together. Some of you might know that our second son, Camille, was adopted. Um, we haven't told him that yet, so... Don't ruin that surprise for us. We've told him. Oh my gosh, that's a terrible joke. I shouldn't say that. Inappropriate. Um, there's a mistake right there. Parenting mistake, you guys. Our family was incomplete without Camille in our lives. We, we were missing a part of our family. And we searched high and low for him. And the day that he joined our family, our family became whole. And while we had become whole, those first few months with Camille were just not easy. See, he didn't speak English, and 
Adrian only spoke a, a very little bit of Lingala, and she knew just enough to know when he was asking for chips and Coca-Cola, uh, les chips and coca. He didn't trust us. And to be honest, why should he? He didn't know us. We were strangers to him. And we worked hard to show him that we loved him. We worked hard to show him that we weren't strangers. We did everything to try to convince him that we were his forever family, but it was not going well. Uh, there were a lot of tears. There was wailing, and there was biting, and there was screaming. And he just didn't trust us. And Camille came home in March of 2016, and we did everything we could do to make him feel like we were home. But less than two months after he arrived, on May 3rd, Adrian had to scoop him up and put him in the car with Justice and drive out of our city that was on fire, not knowing if they'd ever come back many of you remember that harrowing day and that mark that day it marks such an incredible loss for our city and for many of the people uh, just even mentioning that date it brings up terrible memories and such hurt that hasn't healed yet but for our family that day marks an important moment in our lives it was a turning point in that escape from this city, Camille learned something that we had been trying to teach him for the past two months, that we were not going anywhere without him, and that we would be with him in whatever way we could, that he could depend on us, that he could trust us, that we were with him. That week, the fits of rage ended, and the biting stopped and the, the fear that we were temporary in his life faded away. And Camille chose us because he knew that nothing, not fire, not flood, could separate us from each other. And this is the decision that God has made for you and I. He isn't perched on some far-off star watching us from a distance. He isn't waiting for us at the finish line. He isn't on the other side of the river. He is right here with us, beside us, in front of us, behind us. He is with us. And maybe you knew that once that memory has started to fade and maybe you forgot it it doesn't really ring true anymore where you ask the question where is God this morning I want to encourage you it is time to remember again the promise of God to be with you and maybe this is something you've never known you've been walking through your life not knowing that Jesus has wants to walk through your life with you maybe today can be a day you decide to walk with him this morning you came in and hopefully you were handed a little cup of juice with a little cracker attached to it. And it's something that we're going to do together today called communion. And it's a practice that Jesus has asked us to, to participate in. And communion is a way that we can become close to Jesus. That it's a time and a moment where we remember him and the things that he has done, the sacrifice that he has made for us, the way in the wilderness that he has laid out for us. And at the communion table is where we are reminded that he is with us still. At the communion table, we get to partake in the experience of the mystery of God. And we can actually meet Jesus in these moments.
And in a moment, Chris and Steph, they're going to lead us in a few minutes of worship. And when you're ready and while they're still singing, feel free to take communion in the room wherever you are. We're not going to time it. I want you to take it when you're ready. There's about, you know, we're going to spend about 10 minutes of worship together. Take it when you're ready. But before we do that, I want to ask you to do something. Like last week, I want you during this time to ask God a question and to listen for his answer. Prayer isn't just a one-way street. Sometimes we have to stop talking so that we can hear what God wants to say to us. So maybe this morning you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Ask him to show you where he's been walking with you in your life and you didn't even know it. Or maybe this morning you've got a river in front of you and you cannot even see to the other side. Ask Jesus to show you where he is in your life right now. Maybe once you knew he was with you, but that memory is fading. Ask him where he is right now. This morning, before you take your communion, take a moment to ask God to show you where he is at work in your life and ask Jesus to tell you what he meant when he said, I will be with you always. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come before you this morning, and we set aside these moments to remember you, to recall your faithfulness, in your lives, to remember the story after story after story where you told your people, I am with you. Jesus, in these moments now, as we take communion together and as we worship you through music and singing, we ask you to open our eyes, open our ears, and remind us and show us where you are. For those of us who are struggling to see you, open our eyes. Make yourself plain to us. For those of you who have been walking with you a long time, open our eyes fresh again and excite us about our first love. Jesus, we know you have promised to be with us. Encourage us today and show us where you are at work. We pray this all in your holiest name.